0: Good morning, Bethel Cedar Lake. How are we doing this morning? Let's try that again. Good morning, Bethel Cedar Lake. How are we doing this morning? morning. Amen. Uh, I want to start off by introducing myself for those of you who do not know me. Uh, my name is Dexter Harris. I am the pastor resident um, at the Gary campus. Um, I have a wife. Her name is Paige. And we just celebrated nine years of marriage uh, last week. So I'm happy about that. I have uh, two children, Kyla and DeKai, and I have one on the way. So I covet your prayers for me because life is going to get really serious here in a few months. Uh, If you have your Bibles, let's get to Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 11. Um, We're going to do an old-fashioned style here. We have some trouble getting my slides over, uh, but we're going to camp out in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Let's pray. Father in heaven... Spirit of the living God, we pray that you would attend the proclamation of your word for the glory of your name and for the edification of your church. We pray that you would fill our thirsty hearts, for we know that you reward those who diligently seek you. Be with us in this time. We ask all these things in Christ's name. And everybody says, amen. One of the things that I love doing, church, is purchasing flowers for my wife. Now, I used to be able to uh, buy one bundle of flowers, a bouquet of flowers, and uh, bring them home. Uh, But now my daughter is 11 on the brinks of 12. And when I come home with only one bundle of flowers, she looks at me like, Dad, really? You didn't see me standing here? Where are my flowers? So now I have to buy two things of flowers. What I want to do this morning is I want to invite you into my thought process as I'm purchasing these flowers. I, I get out of my soccer dad's van, and I head into the store, and I begin to reach for these flowers. And as I grab these flowers, I begin to think to myself, these flowers are going to die one day, one day uh, very soon. What is the point of buying these, these flowers that fade so quickly? And it amazes me how something that fades so quickly makes two people that I love so very happy. And by the time I look up, I'm at the register, I've purchased the flowers, I'm back in the van, and I'm headed home to make two people really happy. About a week later, I go into my daughter's room and I peek in there, and just as I expected, those flowers are fading and dying. Brothers and sisters, isn't life like fading flowers? We start off youthful and strong and seemingly invincible. and Then before we know it, as time goes on, we begin to fade. We are dying. And we quickly, hopefully, begin to realize that life isn't all about us, that we are not the center of the universe. And many of us can remember the former NBA star, Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant was an amazing basketball player. He achieved five NBA championships. He is considered by many to be the closest thing to Michael Jordan. I know some of the young people would argue with me and say, no, I think it's LeBron James. I'm going to have to defer with you. Nah, he's okay. However, we watch Kobe Bryant fade before our eyes. As time went on, youth began to slip away from the NBA star. And guys who were younger and faster began to take his place. And he couldn't move and jump like he used to. Eventually, his youth faded away into retirement. It goes to show no matter how high we humans rise, we must come back down. He was a fading flower. I realize we are all in different stages of our life in this room. Some of us are young. We are the fresh flowers in the store. And some of us, we are middle age; We are the flowers that just arrived home. And some of us, we are the flowers that have been home for a while. We're in our old days. But no matter what stage of life you are from or in, this message is for you. This morning, our text teaches us how to live a wise life as a fading flower. In our text today, the teacher wants to equip young people for old age. And one thing is certain, if you keep living, your body will age. The teacher wants to say to the young people in the room, Put down your iPad, put down your Apple phone and your Galaxy 6 Plus and turn off Snapchat and Kick and Facebook. And for a moment, let's just talk about life. Let's talk about reality without all the distractions. Because life is serious and things are coming and headed our way. And he wants to grab our attention. And I think for those who are older in the room, this will serve as a reminder. And much of what he has to say, you'll be able to nod in agreement. Then I believe the teacher has an overarching reality for all of us. Live your life for Jesus. Why? Jesus is the only hope in this age. As we know, life is short and tricky and uncertain, but but Jesus is strong and dependable. Isaiah sums him up this way. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases in strength. Even youth shall fall faint and weary, and young men fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord, he shall renew their strength. And they shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. God is amazing, church. As we now turn to our text today, the preacher simply wants to to urge us to remember the shortness and frailty of life. and, And urge young people to remember the Lord. Before it is too late. Let's look at our text this morning. Starting at verse 1, chapter 11, Ecclesiastes. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree fell, falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know, the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at the evening would hold not your hand, for for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Light is sweet. It is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity Rejoice, O oh young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth, and walk in the ways of your heart, in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart, and put away pain from your body. For youth and the dawn of life are vanity. We've got a whole chapter to get through, so let's dig in. If you've been walking with us through the series of Ecclesiastes, there are a few things that you are well acquainted with when it comes to our writer. We know that our writer is extremely rich and he is extremely wise. He is not wanting for anything in those two categories. We see early on in the book of Ecclesiastes that the writer has indulged and in enjoy the good things in life, the pre... The preacher at this point has gotten some life behind him. He has gotten some experience behind him. And he sees things much different than he did at the age of 21. And isn't that true, church? The older we get, life has a way of impacting our perspective or our insight. And our thoughts on things begin to evolve as we begin to age. So this morning, the First thing that I want to do is I want to deal with the last four verses, starting at verse 7, and then at the end, I want to kind of sum up the first six verses. Let's begin with verse 7. First thing we see in verse 7 is what the writer wants us to do is he wants us to rejoice in the goodness of life. He wants us to live, church. He wants us to enjoy all that life has. Life is valuable and good, and therefore he wants us to make much of it. He wants us to squeeze all we can out of life. The writer recognizes, he does not deny, life can be incredibly beautiful. We see this in verse 7, he says, light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. This is referring to to the good days of life. Yes, church. Church, do you remember those days when you opened up your eyes and life got off to a good start and you opened up the blinds in your home and you allowed the sun to come in and you said, this is going to be a pretty good day. And it's those days when when we turn our music on and we got our Chris Tomlin in the background and ladies, you get your hair done and you put on a new outfit and you're finding your rhythm in life and your marriage is going well. And your career is getting off to a great start. This is what our elders called the good old days when your brain functioned well and your joints felt good and it was easy to jump and your body was healthy and and you didn't have to count the number of hours before you had to go to sleep. You Remember those days when you could stay up all night and go to sleep and go to work? Those were the good old days. Remember those days when a cool breeze just felt different? You just let your window down and say, this is going to be a good day. But church, much too often, we take life for granted. We sometimes skip days in our minds. We say things like, Thank God it's the weekend. We often anticipate our next birthday or finishing high school or graduating from college or retiring, and, 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 and we look forward to the future, and we don't enjoy the present moment. And what the writer wants to say is, "Slow down church and enjoy the sun." We see our Lord tells us this in Matthew 6:34. He says, "Therefore." Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. Amen. Life has a way of bringing its its own problems. Each day comes with its own complexities. And Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, for today is sufficient with its own troubles. Young people, the word for you today is is enjoy your young life as much as you can. Enjoy each moment. There are so many older people out there that will kill for your young body and heart and and, and mind. That's why the plastic surgery industry is booming. Unfortunately, some plastic surgery is not working for everybody. But they are trying. When you're young, you... You fall into the temptation of wanting to rush life away, and, and you think real freedom will, will come when you move out of your parents' house. And your parents are like, Wait, 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 no, 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 you don't want to do that. But this thing on Facebook the other day, it says, uh, The biggest mistake I made was growing up. And life, and we, we think that life begins when we grow up. But as you get older, you say, I wish I was young again. One of the disadvantages of being young is you think you'll live forever. Someone asked Bernard Shaw, what, in his opinion, is the most beautiful thing in the world? Youth, he replied, is the most beautiful thing in the world. And what a pity that it has been wasted on children. Young people simply take life for granted and therefore often squander their youth on on Snapchat and Pokemon Go, and parents in the room, I I want to encourage you to help your children by lifting up Christ in the home, that they may use their talent and their time and their strength on earth for his glory. The older you get, the more you realize life is on the decline, not on the uprise. Our body has a way of putting us in check and reminding us that tough days are ahead. The teacher warns us of this in verse 8. He says, So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. There are two verbs in the text, rejoice in, remember. Solomon tells us to rejoice in life by remembering that there there are some pretty tough things days ahead. The days are coming when your body doesn't feel as good. The days are coming when the time on the clock will be short. The days are coming when you don't want to let the sun in. The days are coming when you don't want to let your window down. The days are coming when your knees are going to hurt. And if it hasn't happened, give it time. It is coming. Life is so short, and before you know it, it is over. We learn this in the book of James. He says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and vanishes. The Bible says we are here but a moment. You look up and we're gone. This is how quick life is. This is how frail life is. And the the writer wants to draw us into this reality, that our time on this earth is very limited. And so we must dispense our lives very wisely. I want to pause here to give an encouraging word to our elders in the room. One preacher says, although aging is often looked at negatively in our society, age brings many benefits including a greater likelihood of contentment. Christians can also look at aging as bringing us one step closer to heaven in eternity with God. With that said, it is critical for us to recognize that when it comes to years of life, it is still a matter of quality over quantity. It is better to add life to your years than to add years to your life. We need to live life fully every day. In the movie Braveheart, William Wallace, as portrayed by Mel Gibson, said, every man dies, but not every man really lives. This is a rather biblical assessment of life. The Bible declares that we all will die, yet many of us miss out on the abundant life that God offers us. Don't let that happen to you live while you are dying, end quote. Enjoy being young. As we move to verse 9, we see that our writer focuses in on young people. He focuses in on the youth. The text goes on to say in verse 9, rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart, in the sight of your eyes, but but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. And verse 9 clearly focuses in on young people. And I want you to notice here the word rejoice again. But this time it, it isn't optional. He's not, he's, not, he's, he's not giving young people an option. He is commanding young people, rejoice while you are young. This is not optional. He's not cavalier here. Rejoice, young people, while you are young. He tells the youth to follow the desires of your heart. Simply put, don't wait. What is present before you, enjoy. Young people, don't be the person that sings the shoulda, coulda, woulda's. right? All of us who are older in the room can, can relate to that. We sometimes reminisce on some things that we would do different if we were young again, some things that we would change, some dreams that we wish we would have chased, some visions we wish we would have sought out. And some of us can make a whole album, and it may be a hit. This text says, live, young people. Quit talking and do it. Listen, when working with young people, a major struggle is to get them to come to grips with the fact that you don't have forever. So if you have a dream in here, young person, you chase it. If you got a vision, you pursue it. If you want to finish college, do it. God can use you, young person. Do not waste your youth, but do what God has called you to do while you're young. You feel the Lord tugging on your heart, you pursue him, young person. Jesus is amazing. And quit saying I can live for God when I get older. I just plead with them, by the grace of God, now is the time to live for the Lord. Be a godly man now. Be a godly woman now. So many young women wasting their youth on trying to make a boy into a man, which is God's job. Instead, God wants to mature you in his son. He wants to develop you. He wants to conform you and cause you to reflect the image of Christ. And young ladies, I encourage you to get into your word and get into devotion and get around older women that can love you and train you and teach you the way of the Lord. And young man, God has called you to be leaders in your church and in your community and in your families. And instead of wasting it on chasing young ladies and mistreating them, allow the Spirit to work in your life and to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit that you may reflect to the world and to your high school and to your colleges just how powerful the gospel is. Amen. We must understand, O church, that this godliness that we desire to see in our young people can only be produced in those who have been born again. If we just tell them to don't drink, don't party, and to live pure, apart from the transforming gospel, they are dead in the water. They don't have a chance. The only way you overcome sin is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. They must know because Jesus has destroyed sin, sin doesn't have any power over them any longer. Hallelujah, Jesus Christ has destroyed sin, and therefore it has no more power over us. And therefore, they are free to lift up their bodies as living sacrifices to God. And can you imagine, church, what would happen if a few young people lift up their bodies as living sacrifices to God, how he could transform Cedar Lake and transform this region through young people? I believe that God can use our young people. However, we sometimes do a poor job of encouraging youthfulness and godliness We sometimes treat them as if they are divorced when they ought to be married together. We tell them, you have all of life to live for God, as if we have truly lived apart from God. There is no life apart from the living God. Life really starts when we are united to Jesus. So it is foolishness and deception to tell our kids that they can really live life when they get older, when the reality is true living begins in the fountain of living water, which is found in the one and only Jesus Christ. They must know that Christ has conquered death. Anyone who is truly alive has joyfully embraced that there is no life in sin, but only in Christ. And therefore, it is foolishness to spend your youth on sin only to find out, young people, that in the end, it's a dead end. Did God give the gift of youth to be wasted in sin? No. Did Jesus not die for the youth that they may walk in righteousness? Many of us in this room can testify that we are still suffering from the decisions we made when we were young. We are still reaping from the decisions we made when we were young. We who are older, those of us with eyes in our heads, must plead with them. There is a fountain filled with blood, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains, lose all their guilty stains. We must point them to Jesus Christ. Young people, Christ has the power to overcome your stubborn heart. The one who creates the mountains and crowns them with snow is plentiful in life. And the one who causes your face to shine with beauty is plentiful in life. And the the one who gives strength to the young man is plentiful. Plentiful in life. God is rich in love and in mercy and in life, young people. The world lies to us and tells us that life is found in all of these other things and Jesus is lame and Jesus is boring. They're lying to you, young people. Nothing is more glorious, nothing is more powerful, nothing is more beautiful than Jesus Christ Himself. He is plentiful in life. Be all that God has called you to be now. Give your youth over to the Lord. Jesus can use you in tremendous ways. Don't waste your youth sinning and showing your wild oats and playing dumb app games and being disobedient to your parents. God has so much more he wants to do with you. There is no greater joy in life than Christ himself. Come to the only one that can give you all of the joy and none of the shame. Jesus gives all the joy and none of the shame, young people. Youth remember that whatever you do with your youth, God will hold you accountable. See so the writer, he warns young people, "Hey, do what you want, but remember that God is going to bring you into judgment." The text says, "But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment." In other words, do what you want, but remember, God will judge it all. And being young will not get you off the hook. We see this, right? There are so many young people being deceived by Satan, thinking and reasoning that God will consider them guiltless because they are young. You wouldn't imagine how many young people argue their justification on the basis of their youth. They say, God knows I'm young. However, justification comes only by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone. Parents, we must teach our children this verse. And young people, Jesus will walk with you. Jesus will help you. And oh, that you will look to the cross and find power in grace. Young people, let this verse be a guard to your heart and a guide for your decisions. When you make decisions, think of the Lord. When you are faced with opposition, think of the Lord. One commentary says this. We are accountable to God for what we do. In other words, the teacher commands responsible pleasure, not a license to exploit others or squander our own bodies and abilities. Let's look at verse 10. Remove vexation from your heart and put away sin from your body. For youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Church, if there is one thing that can suck the joy out of life, it is worrying and anxiety and holding on to sin. And aren't we prone to do that, church? To hold on to to worry and anxiety and our own sin and to trust in ourselves. We're so inclined to be that way. Once again, the the writer wants to urge the youth in the room to to not do this, to not live a life where you worry and hold on to anxiety and hold on to sin. In other words, instead, he wants them to deal with it. Why do we worry, church? Why do we have anxiety? I would contest it is because Christ is too small and the world is too big in our eyes. We minimize Jesus and we maximize our our problems. But Jesus is big. Jesus is strong. Jesus is able. But how can we cast our cares on a God that we consider to be small when he is infinitely great? There's any hope we have to see Jesus as he is. You see, Jesus is self-sufficient. Therefore, he tells the youth, get rid of your anxiety. Stop worrying about life. Deal with all your mess now. Don't wait until you get older. The more you hold on to things, the more we hold on to junk, the more we hold on to worry, the more we hold on to anxiety, the older we get, the greater the consequences are. So the writer is saying, hey, let's talk about this. Let's deal with this. Let's find some, some elders. Let's find some ladies in the church, young lady, young men. Let's find, find, find some godly man in the church, and let's talk through this. And let's deal with some of the stuff that you're dealing with. And many of you in this room, if, if we can be real, if, if we can be honest, if we can pull up a chair at the same table and get on level ground here and be honest with one another and be open with one another here. Many of us in this room are carrying problems so great that one more negative issue in our life and we will crack right down the middle. Yes, we smile. Yes, we came in with our head high, but we are dealing with tremendous pain in our lives and so many young people are ready to give up on life and to call it quits but I want to relate to you this morning and I want to open up to you this morning and say I understand how you feel when I was 18 I was in an ungodly relationship I had a lot of worries after having my first child at the age of 16 With facing fatherhood at a young age and my lust problem creating problems in my life, sin began to weigh heavy on me. And I would often find myself in my room crying and wondering and contemplating if if sin was even beatable or, 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 or if God could actually love someone such as myself. I remember these moments alone crying out to the Lord, why can't I overcome these things? And I was so frustrated with the decisions I was making. But you know what my biggest issue was? I was trusting in myself. I was trusting in Dexter. I was trusting in my power. I was trusting in my ability. And the more I trusted in myself, the deeper the roots of my life grew into the soil of anxiety. And the fruit of my heart was disobedience to the Lord. However, I kept doing what Dexter wanted to do, and I caused more and more pain in my life. My biggest enemy this morning is Dexter Harris. I've done more wrong to myself than anyone else. But thank God for the gospel of Jesus Christ. For there was only one cure for this sinner, and it was the blood of Jesus Christ. This sick heart can only be healed through the blood of Jesus Christ. The tree of anxiety only dies when the seeds of grace are planted in the heart of repentance and cultivated through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is the only way that we are set free. For whom the Son set free is free indeed. And so many of you are dealing with depression issues and mad at the world that out of all the kids in the world, why can't I be happy, God? There is unbelievable pain in our youth. And I know this because I work with them almost every day. And I believe that Bill can relate to me as well in this area. So many of them are getting devoured by lust and trust issues and anxiety. What happens is they carry that into their marriages and they carry it into their friendships. We don't just end up some way out of nowhere. These things have root issues. And before we know it, our lives are a mess. And the writer is saying, deal with it now, young people. Turn and embrace Christ. Taste and see that the Lord is good. There is freedom in Jesus. And you don't have to carry that load by yourself, young people. Or whoever else in this room that is carrying pain, I want you to know that you are in a church that will love you and walk with you through whatever you're going through. And the teacher says life is bringing some pretty dark days and it is wise of you not to add to it. The teacher will soon say there is a day coming where where, where life will, will not be fun. There are some hard days ahead. So enjoy your youth and don't waste it on worrying about stuff and creating problems for yourself. You need to enjoy your youth while you can. And if I can encourage the adults in the room. Seek out a young person and put your arms around them because they need to see Christ in us. There is no darkness he cannot penetrate. And if there is any hope for our youth, it is summed up in one word, one person, Jesus Christ. And he is triumphant over death, sin, and Satan. And there's no grave deep enough and no problem too complicated that he cannot solve. Jesus is the answer. It is no secret, friends that death and aging are before us all. These two things are daunting realities before us. However, Jesus is for us. Yes, church, Jesus, in Jesus, we are safe, saved, and satisfied. And I don't know about you, but on that day, when my strength has failed me and my body doesn't function as well and, and, and I'm not as youthful as I used to be, I want to look my children in their eyes and pull them close to me and say, but Jesus has never failed your father all the days of my life. On that day, church, how do you want it to be? I want to know I lived a life that pointed many to the glory of God. And I want to know I gave myself for the joy of others. On that day, I want to know I didn't waste my life. And young people, the warning to you is now is the time to live for the Lord. So on that day, when you age, when death comes knocking at your doorstep, you can say I haven't wasted it. And if we could be honest this morning, life is tricky. It is full of twists and turns. Life is uncertain. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. There's no guarantees. And as we look at the former part of our text, verses 1 through 6, I believe the writer begins to deal with this. He says, yes, life is short. Yes, life is frail, but also life is so uncertain. No one actually knows what tomorrow will actually bring. This text not only wants us to understand life is short, but it is uncertain. When I read the text, what I get from it is, don't put all your eggs in one basket. So The question is, what is the purpose? What is your purpose in this life? How will you bring glory to God in this age? In the first six verses, the writer uses the phrase, we don't know, and he uses it four times. Let's take a look at one of them. Bring your eyes back up to verse 1. He says, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. The writer says, cast your bread on the water. It is likely, he's talking about the sea trade. Back in that day, the sea trade was very dangerous, and it wasn't guaranteed that the goods that you put on your ships would actually return. So it was very risky business. I think what he's trying to get at here is say, don't be like the person who buried their talent. In the parable of the talent, the rich owner went on a journey. But he left and he gave one of his servants five talents of money, and another two, and the third two talents. The first servant immediately got to work, and before long, he had five more talents. The second also worked hard, and before long, he had two more talents. But the third, he was afraid. He buried his talent. He wasted his life. And when the master returned, he was not pleased with this servant. And so many times we get caught up into overanalyzing or, 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 or trying to figure out what the results will be. And sometimes doing that keeps us from actually doing what God has called us to do, when in reality we ought to be faithful in what God has given us and, re- and leave the results to the Lord. So many times in ministry it is so easy to fall into this temptation where oftentimes when I leave Bible study or I'm ministering to someone, I want to see the fruit there and now. But the reality is the fruit belongs to God, and he is called Dexter to be faithful to the work. The writer is like, listen here, life is tricky. It is so unpredictable. However, that is no excuse for us to sit around and twiddle our thumbs through life. Be bold and step out on faith. This text is saying if you only factor in the risk, you will never move. Put your goods on the ship. It may never come back, but you will not know until you do it. He adds some wisdom to this, and he talks about dividing your goods up amongst the ships, because some of them may return, some of them may not. So as we consider taking risks in life and taking chances in life, let us do it with wisdom. Let us consult people who may be older than us, or or, or, or at least consult a peer in in life affairs and situations. Let's not just trust in ourselves. Now, in verse 4, he says, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the cloud will not reap. If we look for a perfect scenario in everything, we will never move. We must be diligent in life, make the best of every opportunity, not wasting our time and talent and treasure on anything. Forrest Gump says this, Life is like a box of chocolate you never know what you're going to get. I think this writer would respond to Forrest like this. It may be true. You don't know what you will get. We don't know if our children will love Jesus. We don't know if cancer will claim us in this life. We don't know if we'll graduate from college. There's a lot of things we do not know. We don't know if our marriages will last. But here's one thing for certain. If you want your child to love Jesus, you teach them the Bible, you take them to church. If not, they're dead in the water, apart from the grace of God. We do not let uncertainty stop us from doing what God has called us to do. You want a beautiful marriage, you invest in it. You put time into it. The husbands, you love your wife as Christ loved the church. The writer is saying you live in spite of uncertainties. You want to finish college, you apply and you work hard. In everything you do, you look to Jesus. For life may be uncertain, but Jesus is not uncertain. He is sure. He is true. He is an anchor for our soul. And when he speaks, he speaks the truth. And when he says he will never leave us or forsake us, Jesus actually means it. Fight the good fight. Finish the race. Why? Because life is quick. And your day will be here before you know it. And when that day comes, that day when all things fail, when everything ceases, may I be able to say, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Life may be fragile, but Jesus is strong and sufficient. Life may be short, but Jesus is everlasting. All other ground is seeking sand, but Jesus Christ is a sure rock to place your life on. And may our hearts be found trusting in the gospel of Jesus Christ. God sent his son into this dark world, really God, really man, full of life radiant in divine life. As ordained by the Father, he dies for sinners, absorbs all the wrath of God for all those who believe in him, takes away all their guilt, forgives all their sin, rises from the dead, triumphing over death, hell, and Satan, ascends, rules with power on high, will come again, give eternal life, and raise from the dead all those who have trusted in him. That's the gospel, and that's what we bank our life on, church. There's room at the cross for all of us. And oh, that he would shine in your hearts before it is too late. And oh, that you would come by his grace before the evil days overcome you. And today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you as human beings made out of dust. You've created us to enjoy you and to make much of you. And Lord, the temptation to follow other things and find our joy in in other things are ever close. But we pray, God, that you would illuminate the eyes of our hearts to see Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior and that we would embrace him and that you would give us the courage to live out what you have called us to do. And I pray for the young people in the room. So many temptations the world has to offer coming from so many directions. Father, will you keep them and will you help them and carry them? And may they find you sweet as honey. We thank and praise you, not only for what you do, but certainly for who you are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.